presented by Amazon. Hey, good morning, Playbookers. I'm Roku Munavalin. It's Friday. In today's show, why some Democratic moderates are upset with the DCCC. This is your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. Here's how one vulnerable House Democrat summarized growing discord between members in battleground districts and the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Quote, this is a real effing problem. Playbook spoke with that member and five others in the past week who alleged that the DCCC, whose purpose is to help the party keep the House next year, is instead hurting their chances of re-election. We granted those members and their staff anonymity to speak freely about their frustrations with the strategy that the DCCC chair Sean Patrick Maloney has adopted in dozens of competitive districts. The complaints fall roughly into three categories. One, botched messaging. We heard that there's been too much Trump talk and not enough focus on pocketbook issues. Those messaging issues also extend to beyond Trump. As cases challenging Roe v. Wade have reached the Supreme Court, the DCCC has sent dozens of press releases attacking Republican candidates and lawmakers for opposing abortion rights. But one frontliner called abortion, quote, a lightning rod in their district and said the DCCC should steer clear of it as a campaign issue. One member who supports abortion rights said, quote, we should leave it up to Planned Parenthood and all the reproductive organizations to get in there and support candidates that are pro-choice and leave it at that. I'm not going to go out there and start bashing people for being pro-life. It would be a big mistake in my district. Number two, jamming them on policy. Previous DCCC chair Cherry Bustos, who represented a Trump district, was known for pushing back on leadership in private in order to protect vulnerable members from tough votes. But Maloney has taken the opposite strategy. In August, as Speaker Nancy Pelosi was trying to corral moderates to vote for a $3.5 trillion budget, several centrists said the DCCC threatened to withhold campaign money if they opposed the resolution. The DCCC, however, did deny this. 3. Frustrations with the chief himself Maloney often says he understands the problems of frontliners firsthand. Trump barely won his district in 2016, though Biden carried it by five points in 2020. But several of the members he's charged with protecting don't see it that way and argue that his more left-leaning views are affecting the work of the committee. Here's what one member had to say. What's problematic is not only is he pushing the wrong strategy, the biggest problem is that he's attacking frontline members for taking a different perspective. If you want to win purple and red seats, you have to distance yourself from other Democrats. It's worth noting the DCCC strongly refutes any suggestion that Maloney is focused on anything but keeping the majority. In a response to Playbook, they sent a dozen examples of Maloney saying in interviews that at-risk members will win by highlighting their legislative achievements. Here's what spokesman Chris Hayden had to say, quote, We agree completely. This election will be won on our record of results, not by talking about Trump. That's why Chairman Maloney has been fighting like hell to pass the president's transformative agenda, which enjoys supermajority support in swing districts. The committee asked vulnerable Democrats to send playbook positive statements about Maloney. Six of them did, and so did Pelosi. Here's what Representative Elaine Luria said, quote, Sean is an incredible leader who listens to frontline members on our battle-tested strategies for success and encourages us to run the best campaigns for our districts. While Mehmet Oz is pitching himself as a pro-Trump candidate in the Pennsylvania GOP Senate primary, Politico's Daniel Lipman reports a number of influential supporters of the former president have started to attack the doctor as a MAGA pretender. Referring to Oz, Steve Bannon recently said that Fox News was, quote, nonstop pimping out the single biggest anti-MAGA candidate, the pick of the Australian Murdoch and McConnell. MAGA pundits have also questioned Oz's views on abortion and gun control, among other issues. Conservative columnist Kurt Schlichter wrote in Town Hall last week, quote, He's a squish at best, 
with no track record of conservatism, and with no discernible conservative views whatsoever. In the off chance he gets elected, he would make Mitt Romney look like Lauren Boebert. An Oz campaign official responded, quote, Dr. Oz is the only candidate with America First Bonafides, adding that the candidate has the support of many from within the MAGA movement, as well as two Trump veterans who are working on the campaign or advising him. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 6.50 a.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden will leave the White House and fly to West Columbia, South Carolina. He'll speak at the South Carolina State University's Fall Commencement Ceremony. At 12.55, Biden will leave Orangeburg, ultimately arriving in Delaware at 3.25. Press Secretary Jen Psaki will gaggle aboard Air Force One on the way to South Carolina. The White House COVID-19 response team and public health officials will brief at 11 a.m. The Senate is in today. The House is out. All right, one last thing before we get out of here. This week on Playbook Deep Dive, President Biden's right-hand man, Jared Bernstein, talks about the administration's strategy to bring down inflation. Clearly, uh, prices are highly elevated, and that's a a real concern of our administration. But every uh, forecast you see uh, has them uh, considerably lower in the second half of next year. Now, we have to be absolutely prepared for those forecasts to be wrong. And and the kinds of actions I just described on the Supply chains are uh, very much where we want to be in that space. Follow and listen to Playbook Deep Dive wherever you listen to podcasts. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Playbook's editor is Mike Zappler. Jenny Almond is Politico's executive producer of audio. I'm Raghumanavalan. We're out for the next two weeks for holiday break, but you can always catch me on Twitter at R-A-G-H-U, not R-A-G-U. I think I'm going to soft launch my New Year's resolution of tweeting more because Twitter is what my life is missing. All right. We'll see you first thing Monday morning, 2022. The federal minimum wage has been stuck at $7.25 an hour since 2009. In the same time, food and beverage costs have increased 18%. Transportation costs up 16%, housing costs up 23%, and medical costs up 32%. In 2018, Amazon introduced a starting wage of at least $15 an hour for all U.S. employees. A new, independent study found that Amazon's wage increase produced a 2.6% increase in the average hourly wage among other employers in the same market. Learn more at aboutamazon.com slash 15.